This podcast is a project of the Massachusetts Cultural Council, a state agency committed to building creative communities and inspiring creative minds. A problem in our field is that uh, we have this tradition of unpaid internships. Unless we actually take a stand and try to figure out a way to find some stipends or what have you, that again is going to work against us to have folks of um, diverse backgrounds participate. Hi, I'm Anita Walker at the Massachusetts Cultural Council. Welcome to Creative Minds Out Loud. Our guest today is Dan Yeager, Executive Director of the New England Museum Association. Welcome to our program. Hello, Anita. We love museums at the Mass Cultural Council, as you well know, and no one has their finger on the pulse of what's happening in museum land, I think more than you do. If you were going to just sort of in like one sentence tell us, what is the health of the museum field in New England? What would you say? The health. Well, I'd say it's uh, somewhat mixed uh, in many, many ways. Uh, there are many success stories that we've been hearing about in the news, uh, museums that are expanding, uh, successful capital campaigns, a lot of really uh, strong growth uh, in, in some areas. On the other hand, a great degree of our museum community struggles every day because there are just so few resources. And I won't say it's competitive, although in a sense it really is. But the fact of the matter is, is that New England has the largest per capita uh, concentration of museums anywhere in the country. A little fun fact if you want to know. It's 12.2 museums per 100,000 people compared to 5.9. So it's more than double uh, the national average. Uh, generally and what that means though is that we have a lot of museums that are in fact competing for limited uh, funding and the like so those uh, museums that are great success stories we really applaud them but we also keep in mind a lot of the um, the smaller places that struggle for funds struggle for how am I going to do this uh, with uh, limited staff and the like and that's why some of your programs are just so essential to what it is that they do. Uh, even small grants really help boost those programs and allow them to become, you know, maintain their relevance in their communities. So uh, it's kind of a mixed bag. Visitation is, you know, up and down depending. I mean, we've climbed, climbed back from our, um, you know, low point in 2008, re recent low point, you know, and uh, we, we had a lot of challenges to visitation. So there are, you know, a lot of positive signs, but, you know, we're very wary. And of course, in the you know the political climate, we're kind of concerned now about just what ends up happening over the long term. I think that's uh, kind of a question with uh, you know funding the ecosystem of funders. I think is is of concern. But um, you know, uh, since you bring it up, it's sometimes I think it's interesting to sort of step back a minute and sort of reassert why public funding matters mm. to our field, whether it's museums or orchestras or dance companies. Um, it's a small percentage. It's a, mm. I mean, it's a small part of the budget of most of our cultural organizations. But why would you say that public funding matters? Well, as you point out, it's, a, it's usually a small part. Sometimes, though, it really is a fairly substantial part. It allows uh, folks to kickstart some additional programs, leverage private philanthropy uh, very often. So there are many, many things, especially with the cultural facilities funds, when you look at um, you know, the ability to create capital projects and the like, that's really uh, always very well uh, received and, you know, valued uh, for most folks. 
but those small grants also matter, even if they're you know uh, several hundred dollars or a thousand or whatever. Those programs are so essential to maintaining your relevance in a community to get people engaged and the like. And so that's really when you see those funds in action. I'm sure it really brings a smile to your face, you know, when you see uh, things actually happening there. But there's another aspect too, uh, I think, and that is that um, in the museum field, but I would imagine throughout the cultural community, uh, the idea that we've got a robust Mass Cultural Council or NEA or NEH or whatever is very much a part of the field's identity almost. And so when you see funding uh, supported at a legislative level for MCC or NEH or NEA um, or IMLS or any, any of the alphabet soup that funds our, um, our folks, it really signals that it's a, we are valued. People really take that to heart and when those funds are challenged, uh, which is a great concern right now over the, over the long term, uh, it's sort of perceived that our work is devalued by the public. So, you know, public funding is important on any number of levels, I think. So aside from funding, um, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges facing the museum field? Well, uh, I would say uh, there are sort of micro challenges, always just where's the, where's the funding coming from, uh, maintaining donor relations, maintaining those corporate uh, relations, making sure that we've got a terrific visitor experience so that people actually visit, marketing, all of those things. Those are more the the day-to-day things. I think there are some real systemic challenges though for the field as well. Diversity being one of the largest ones. Um, in New England, for example, we're about 90% Caucasian and we're 80% female. Uh, so that is, you know, on the face of it, well, that's just a fact and, uh, you know, what do you do with it? But when you look at museums that are uh, demographically uh, homogeneous like that, but they're located in communities that are changing rapidly, their demographics becoming much more multicultural, uh, that museum is really uh, becoming irrelevant in their community and it's not sustainable. So um, a number of museums individually are really working on this. Uh, when you look at them, just popped in my head, but Fitchburg Art Museum, for example, Nick Capasso there is doing such a terrific job um, diversifying his staff, his board, and programming and reaching out into the communities. And really, he's making uh, what was once um, a museum that was dedicated to art built by the, um, you know, the industrialists uh, now is really concentrating on becoming a community museum and I think that's really something that we need to concentrate on a lot more. I know our association is working on that systemic level to try to come up with some solutions to recruit more people into the field that have multicultural backgrounds and also to encourage uh, museums to diversify their boards because that's a huge challenge as well. You have to have the voice on the board as well. Those are the two questions I get more than any when I visit cultural organizations in Massachusetts. How do we get more diversity on our staff mm -hmm. and how do we get more diversity on our board because that is really seen as part of a pathway to being seen as welcoming to the entire community. Have you, have you identified any solutions or any areas about why it's so tough? Well, you're raising, you're opening the can of worms. So you talk about diversity, but diversity is necessarily tied to wages in our field. And um, like many 
uh, cultural fields, uh, we are at least perceived as being uh, relatively low pay and we're not particularly, um, you know, there is a gender disparity and there's all sorts of things that are working against actually recruiting a lot of multicultural folks, especially people <clears throat> that have uh, high degrees of debt coming out of college, they go through museum studies programs and the like. So we're starting to really, we've got a task force working right now to really identify some of the issues and problems and then identify potential solutions as well. Um, it's, you know, any systemic problem like that really needs to go far beyond just individual museums, even individual museum associations like NEMA. I'm working with my colleagues nationally in regional associations and the American Alliance of Museums and the other associations to address some of these issues with diversity. It's, we're anticipating um, creating some grant funds to actually hopefully create a recruitment program nationally over the course of time um, to deal with these issues of wage uh, disparity and uh, how do we boost wages. One of the other issues that's uh, of uh, a problem in our field is that uh, we have this tradition of unpaid internships and that's like many, many, I think, nonprofit fields, but you know, unless we actually take a stand and try to figure out a way to find some stipends or what have you, that again is going to work against us to have folks of um, diverse backgrounds participate. So there are many, many things that we've identified as a field that we need to tackle and now the question is getting beyond just talking about it and actually starting to do it. Of course that costs money. So, <laughs> so let's look at the bright side for a minute right. <laughs> um, because I know you um, again have an opportunity to see the best and the brightest of what's mm. happening in the museum field and one of the things that's intrigued me and I'm interested if you're seeing similar um, activity is museums thinking about turning themselves inside out, not seeing mm. themselves as just sort of a building and you have to come in and, and that's where you find um, museum. You can actually find you stumble across it elsewhere in your community. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, it's, it's uh, part of the conversation and it is an exciting new trend. Uh, we, uh, at our most recent conference, had a lot of discussions of uh, what we're calling pop-up museums uh, that are, um, you know, bringing the programs out into the community. And as a matter of fact, we uh, have created a new uh, program called Museum Hive, which is uh, a gathering of folks in real time, uh, in real life, IRL, uh, but also connecting them with nationwide thought leaders. And we had our first Museum Hive meetup a while back uh, with this person named Nina Simon, who's kind of a guru uh, on the, the, uh, the West Coast. Um, and uh, she's very hot on this idea of the distributed museum, the idea that museums are not just a single place, but uh, you know they're in different form formats throughout the community. And one of the things that we started talking about at that uh, event was, what if we had like food trucks? Why don't we have museum trucks? Why don't we have you know instead of bookmobiles, museum mobiles or something, right? And. Uh, you know, actually that, it turns out, uh, has been experimented a little bit, but I love that concept so much because I think that, you know, the old model definitely is, uh, I won't say it's broken, but there are so many opportunities for people to become engaged with museum programming, collections, and the like in their own backyards and then being attracted into the grand spaces uh, or the historic houses or whatever. 
Um, so I think it's a good strategy. It really is, especially if we're talking about opening up our doors to new audiences. A lot of exciting things happening in the museum world. No one knows more than our creative mind out loud, Dan Yeager, Executive Director of the New England Museum Association. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you so much, Anita. To learn more about this episode and to subscribe, visit creativemindsoutloud.org.